Our scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 35. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, a light for revelation in the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. This morning we are going to be talking about hope. Uh, even in the midst of what in the world it looks like a hopeless situation. Um, a number of years ago, one of the faithful uh, groups of people in our church, in fact, I see Gillis and Sochi here, uh, came and told me about one of those situations that they have found hope in the midst of, and I asked Sochi if she'd be willing to share her uh, testimony with us all. So we have it videoed here. Listen, listen carefully to what she walked through. My name is Sochi Baker. And I'm, I'm here to share with you um, this difficult time that I went through that never thought that it will happen in my life. The year 2007, FBI, at the beginning of that year, FBI was doing an investigation to the company and going through all these sales reps throughout the nation. And that included me. Well, this process was very difficult for me and my family. Um, the unknown, because during all of this process, I didn't know if I was gonna go to jail or not. The district attorney wanted me to serve 24 months. The judge only sent me for 12 months one day 
with the opportunity of good behavior and be released earlier. I remember when I had to say goodbye to my husband and my children. And, but there was this officer that was very kind and he walked me through this building where it was gonna be my my residence for a while. It wasn't nice, that room, that particular room wasn't that nice. Uh, but I thought it was, it's okay. I can, I can go through this. I can do everything through Jesus Christ who strengthened me. There was another woman, another girl that I had to share this room with. And she greets me very uh, happy and, and, and nice, and she was um, very helpful. Then I learned that she was, in fact, uh, a Christian, a believer, and they had this, just among these women, has nothing to do with the rules or things of the prison, that everybody that comes in they offer them shampoo, all the toiletries, and I welcome them very nice and warm to make them feel that it's okay. They got, you know, their support. So little by little, I start learning and meeting uh, other women, Christians, and then we start gathering to uh, pray. So we were there and learning and what others did, and helping each other, praying for each other, going through church. Uh, we had service every Sunday. We had these services every Sunday. That was a blessing, and I had the opportunity to grow in my faith spiritually through uh, among the same um, inmates and other outside prison ministries that were coming and, and, and teach us uh, the Word of God. I had to spend Christmas time in prison and my children were not going to get a present for, from me, but through this ministry they were able to receive one Since I am not a U.S. citizen, I have to face the immigration court in the next months. Even though that I don't know what the future holds for me, I know who holds my future. Here is the verse that I would like to share with you. It's in Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in me will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That is my faith. I choose faith. So we're going to talk about hope today. At Christmas season, you'll see that word all over the place, hope. 
In fact, I put together some Christmas cards uh, here, a collage of these, just so you can see how many. I'm sure you've seen cards like this. You remember last week I showed you something like this about peace, because in that third Christmas song, we looked at the angels who said, peace on earth to all people of goodwill. Well, today we come to the fourth one song, and that's the song by, by Simeon. And as I've looked at this, I think what it teaches us is about biblical kind of hope. Now, I, I, it's a challenge for me to talk to you about hope because I think the way you and I usually think about hope in our world is very different from what the Bible talks about when it talks about hope. I mean, for us, hope is a good thing. Uh, I hope so. It's for something good. But it's very, very uncertain. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so that you have the Merriam-Webster dictionary that will define hope this way. Hope is a longing for something good to happen. It is a longing for something good to be true. So, you know, I have a lot of family coming in this Christmas. Well, are your family, they're all going to get here and they're all going to be healthy this Christmas? And what's the best I can say? Well, that's my hope. Uh, I hope so. Very uncertain. But, but in, in the Bible, it's different. The word hope uh, is based on the promises of God. Just mark that down. So biblical hope is for something that is both good, but it's also certain. And why? Because if God has promised that this good thing is going to happen, let me tell you, it's going to happen, even if we don't see it at the time. And so hope is that we trust that God will do what he has said that he will do, and then we live waiting sometimes. We live by faith in the midst of that. Hope is the word the Bible uses for when you and I hold on to God's promises in such a way that, that we can continue to have confidence and even peace in the midst of things in which the rest of the world is very uncertain, sometimes in the midst of the worst kinds of hardships, even like an imprisonment. Now, when we come to this song today, it's down in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35, if you want to turn that. What I think is, as I've read this, we have one of the best real-life examples of a person who has lived life filled with the hope of God. He, he found ongoing faithfulness to God because he believed God would keep his promises. So let me just tell you the story. Uh, Mary and Joseph, I mean, Jesus had already been born. They had uh, gotten back to, to Bethlehem. Now the time came up. This huge ceremony uh, among the people of Israel was the time after the children were born, you would go into the temple and there would be a time, uh, the purification of the mom to get back to, to, uh, to worship. There would be the time of circumcision of the child, but mainly it was a time of, of dedication of, of the child. It was a, a huge sort of thing. Now, uh, an offering was supposed to be brought by the family. If you read Leviticus chapter 12, they were supposed to bring a lamb. But some people didn't have enough money, a few wouldn't have enough money to be able to have a lamb. And so Leviticus 12.8 provided uh, something for those who had nothing. It was called the offering of the poor. Those who had nothing could bring two pigeons or two doves. And if you look at the story, you'll see that that's exactly what uh, Mary and, uh, and Joseph brought that day. And it shows you uh, that the family into which Jesus was born was what my mom would call just dirt poor. They, they, they had absolutely nothing. And as people who were poor, that day that they walked into the temple, probably often like people who don't have very much feel, even into our day, they thought perhaps they could be uh, overlooked. 
Now, as they went into the temple court that day for this big ceremony, there was already a very old man there named Simeon. Uh, to have you picture it, Kirsten Helwig, who I think is in our service today, she's studying art in Boston, has painted a painting that I just love uh, of, of Simeon and the child. Do you see it? It's just such, so, Kirsten, just such a wonderful thing to help us to see this. He is described as righteous, so he had lived faithfully for God and, and devout. Uh, tradition, I don't know if it's true, tells us he was 113 years old when this took place. That's partly why I wanted to have Evan read for us. Because I wanted to encourage Evan. Because, you know, next January, tomorrow, next month, Evan turns 100. And I wanted him to know he's got a good 13, 14 years. Yeah. So I wanted to know he had a good 13 or 14 years ahead. So just to keep going with us here. So you, just picture it that day, Temple Court. Families were coming into that temple court. Others were going out. Uh, babies certainly were crying there. Uh, the lambs and the doves and the pigeons were doing whatever lambs and pigeons do there. Uh, the, the, the priests would be uh, blessing all of the children. The, the families would be celebrating. But on this particular day, off to the side, there was this older man who had been led by God to come back that day. I don't know when was the last time he'd been there to come back that day into the temple. But I'm telling you, this was a day like no other he had experienced in the temple court. He had experienced this, and the Bible says, prompting of the Holy Spirit. So already he was there sensing something extraordinary was going to happen. Then I just picture it, Mary and Joseph and their son come walking into the temple court. And for some reason, older Simeon goes over and takes, takes the baby and looks. Do you think in looking there was this deep sense of anticipation? He had been promised somehow by God long before that he would see, actually see the birth of the, of the one who was going to, to, to save him and save Israel. Could this be the child? Then looking down into the face of that child, it becomes obvious to me, he saw the Messiah staring back at him. And he did what millions of us have done the first time we actually have seen Jesus as he is. He praised God. He praised God, and he began to sing. And in that opening line, he says, now you may release your servant in peace. It's like, ah, oh, this is what I've been waiting for. Lord, now, uh, now at last I can leave knowing that, that salvation has come from me and, and my people Israel and actually for the whole world. Now, what I want you to see is that this incredible joy that breaks forth had come from a very faithful man. Don't you feel like Lauren's song captured so much of this tremendous joy? Hallelujah, Messiah has come. But you have to realize that most of his life, maybe all of it, he had walked through very difficult times. Even up to this very time when Jesus was born, his entire people were living under the uh, oppression of another government. And so, in spite of all of that difficulty, he had been faithful to God. When the Spirit of God prompted him, see, he still obeys, walking with God as he had for so long. And I am just saying that this can only happen when you have the hope of Christ. 
when you know that the waiting is something that is worth waiting for and that the God that you are obeying is a God who knows what he is doing. So for us today, as we think about Christmas and hope, I've just marked down two lessons I want you to take home from Simeon. I hope they'll encourage, I'm praying that we here at Lake Avenue Church will experience, not only hear messages about this, but that we will actually experience in a new way the hope that the promises of God make available for anything you face in this world. So lesson number one, uh, this hope that I'm talking to you about, this certain hope, God's hope, it comes from knowing God's promises, but also from trusting those promises actually to happen. So notice verse 26. It had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So this is an important point. You've got to remember that before this happened, and, and I imagine it was many, many years before, Simeon had somehow heard from God's Holy Spirit that he would actually be able to see this Messiah. I mean, he'd known the promises from seven to 800 years before, especially in, in Isaiah. But somehow God had spoken to him and said, you are going to be alive when this Messiah is born. Now, I asked some questions about that. I, I wonder, how did, how did God speak to him? Do you, do you ever wonder that? Did, did an angel break into his life? Like an angel broke into uh, Zechariah's and into Mary's? Uh, was it a dream? Sometimes God speaks to people in a dream. The problem is we don't know. I guess we'll ask him someday. But, but what we do know is this. Simeon had sensed he knew God. He had sensed that God was going to do this. He had had this, this, this prophetic word, this promise that had been made by God, and he'd been faithful to live in the light of that promise his whole life. I think it had been hard. If he really was 113 years old, can't you imagine that even though he was called righteous and devout, don't you think that many of the people around him thought that he was a nut? Living his whole life. Think, no, no, I'm not going to die until the Messiah is born. Can, can you imagine what his children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren thought? Oh, man, we're in that family. Everybody looks at our family member. He holds on to that dream. Nobody else does. I don't know if that's all true. But I can imagine that it is, and that's why when I hear that opening line to his song, I almost weep. When Simeon saw, verse 29, the infant Jesus, he said, and literally, now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. Every word is important. The word now is emphatic. It means at last. It's, it's what I've been waiting for all of these years. I kind of picture Chicago Cubs fans saying this if they, ever, if they ever win. At last, we didn't think it would ever come. Something has started. It was that deep emotional response to it. Your bondservant, he says. Your bond. I, I imagine that life had sometimes felt like a bondage. I, I've got to live in the light of this promise that nobody else had had. Release to depart. It, it's language for when a prison door is opened. And a person who never wanted to be there is set free to go back home. Or a soldier who's out in the midst of a battle. It's that word. It, it, suddenly the trumpet blows and the soldier can go back home. It's where you want to be. That's how he felt. Everything I've lived for is true. 
But the point I want you to see in the midst of times when everybody else was uncertain, he lived a life filled with hope because he held on to and had his life guided by the promises of God. Now, listen to me. After my many years of being a Christian, I have found that this is one of the most important principles for learning how to trust God in the midst of the difficult world that we live in, how we can walk faithfully and how we can trust him and continue to have confidence that this matter of knowing his promise and then living in keeping with that promise, with that promise in our hearts, that that is a key to you and me living lives of faith. This is why, uh, I don't know if there's ever a sermon that I preach that I don't usually bring you a promise from God. Usually I go all the way to the big one at the very end, you know, Revelation 21 and 22, that don't worry, whatever happens in your life, God is at work and he is going to bring about a kingdom of peace and righteousness, even though we may not see it now, he's going to do that. Revelation 21 and 22, there's going to be no more death, no more tears, no more pain. You know, that promise we've got to live in the light of. Uh, so the, the, the question is, how, how do you and I find out what those promises are? Well, come to church. It's one way. Um, and I'll, I'll try to go through them. Well, in fact, maybe I should do that now. Um, I, I've written down some for you. I bet you're surprised about that. Here's some promises that maybe at this Christmas season will bring you the hope that comes from knowing and trusting his promises. If you've come and you know this past week, uh, you have failed yet again. What does God promise? God promises he will show you mercy today if you return to him. He'll give you a chance to start again. How do I know that? 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Anybody else think this is good news? This is a good promise. That's why holding on to that promise, whatever has happened in your past, you can go into a bright future, right? Or what about this one? But sometimes God seems to be so far away. Listen to me. God will be with you even if... You don't feel like it at that moment. Our emotions can come and go, but he will, he will be with you as he was with Simeon. How do I know that? And I think Simeon knew this promise because God has declared both in the Old Testament and New, both in Deuteronomy 31.6 and in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, he has declared, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you because there is no place in this world where he is not. Prison doors cannot keep God away from our lives. Hallelujah. Okay, promise three. What about when those really bad things happen in our lives? This promise. God will work, even in the midst of bad things, to bring about good things. He used a cross to bring about our salvation. He can use whatever happens in our lives to bring about his good. That great verse that many Christians all over the world throughout history have grabbed hold of, Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, the good of those who have been called according to his purpose. We have to sometimes just trust that. Sometimes I can't see how a painful thing can bring about a good but I trust that he knows and does. Uh, Promise four, 
but what about all these things that kind of pull me away from God? Following up, just a few verses after that Romans 8, 28, there's a promise that says, God will hold on to you with love no matter what might try to separate you from him. We need something in the midst of a hard world that can't be taken away from us, something that nothing in this world can, can, can bring and, and, take and, and steal from us. And this is what Paul would write. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth. And I, and I picture Paul's thinking, God, did I leave anything out? Did I leave anything out? And then throwing us, nor anything else in all creation <laughs> will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'll tell you, that is a, that's a hallelujah. You got one woo and one hallelujah. It's great. And this one. This one, I wanted to hold this because Sochi, this is the promise she held on to and gives to us. And that is from Philippians chapter one, verse six, that God has started a work in you and he started a work in us as a church. He started a work in this world. He will complete it. And the promise is in Philippians 1, 6, be confident of this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you see? These are the kind of promises that speak into almost any issue you face at a time in your life. And that, that for me at least, call me to continue to be faithful and obedient to God and to always have hope in the midst of whatever happens. Uh, again, the question, how on earth do we know what those promises are? Well, you, I think you know that I do believe that God can just break into our lives, you know, and give us a promise. I, I th we've seen it here. He did it with Zechariah, with an angel, and he did it with Mary, and, and, and he did it with the shepherds, and somehow he did it with Simeon, and I believe that God can do that. But let me tell you, I think that the main way that God makes his promises known is through this word. And so my prayer is that in this coming year, 2016, you'll be more and more a person who knows what's in this word than ever before. Uh, I, I want you to read it. So in fact, I found um, a, a bookmark that has an annual reading guide for you to have. For those of you who still carry books like, like I do, this will be really helpful for you. And they'll be back at the table in the back. There's a suggested donation there, but don't worry about that. If you have a lot of money, throw a lot in, but others just grab it and make sure you keep that in your, in your Bible. Do you see a, a picture of it here? I want you to have that and I want you to begin reading it through. If you're brand new to the Bible, some parts will be really hard for you. In fact, you might want to drop me an email and I'll send you back maybe another place to begin. When you get to places like First Chronicles, there are just a lot of names in there. But for the rest of us, to read it through, uh, look for the promises, uh, highlight them or make note of them, and then begin to live your life in the light of the promises of God. Um, I find that so many times when I begin reading like that, I don't know if it's like what happened with Simeon, but I feel like God's spirit speaks to me in the midst of those and points me in a new direction. I find many times when I'm speaking to people, those promises are brought back to my mind and I know they will be for you as well. So here's the principle from Simeon's life that I want you to hold on to. Uh, the people that I know of who have hope, biblical hope in any situation in this world, number one, know God personally. 
through faith in Jesus, you know what he's like. Number two, know what God has promised. And then number three, we trust God to keep those promises. When we know the promises, we trust in them, there is hope. Which brings me to the second lesson. Um, I want you to know, and I've already gotten to this, but I want to show you it in the text. God's hope cannot be eradicated by anything in this world. And I I want you to see how that is put together in this story. First of all, um, Simeon begins singing, Lord, my eyes have seen your salvation. Salvation, this is the great part. It has begun rescue from all the pain of this world. But then soon thereafter in verse 35, but Mary, I need to tell you, a sword will pierce through your own soul. See, for those of you who are filmmakers, uh, don't you see the drama in this? The absolute euphoria of Simeon and saying this child has come who brings salvation into my own life and rescue for my people and light into all nations. See, he's, he's casting their vision onto this great, great promise that when God is finished, it's all going to be beautiful. So the same thing that any good preacher has to do, he's making sure that we see the long run of this, that when God is done, everything he's doing is going to bring that about. Eventually, there will be a people of every tribe, language, and nation. But just as he has said that to this young couple, Joseph and Mary, with their child that is there, with this child, salvation comes. He, he turns and says, but in graphic terms, he says, I've got to tell you that until that work is complete, there will be struggle in this sin-filled world until God finishes his work. Even more than that, Mary, there will be pain. He wanted them to know, and I want you to know, that you and I should never be surprised when the hard times come. It must have been hard for her to figure out how this was going to be. This child is bringing salvation, but then he says, this child is going to be the source of a sword piercing your soul. The greatest pain, Mary, you will imagine is going to be experienced because of this child when someday you see him bearing your sins, offering you salvation on a cross. But having cast their vision out ahead, she might have been able to know enough to know that somehow God would use that to bring about that salvation. That even the death that seems to have ended this great work will not be the end, but only the beginning. And that's what we have to hold on to. So Simon prophesied, or Simeon prophesied, Mary, a soul will pierce, a sword will pierce your heart because of this child. But God knows what he's doing. He will be with you. He keeps his promises. Because of that, as I have done for all of these years, hold on to hope and be faithful, even in the midst of anything this world throws at you. I want to bring my message to a close by talking to you about something where this really came home to me. I was living in Germany at the time. I was a soloist there, if you can believe it. I was doing, it was a Christmas Eve service. I was doing in in Berlin, in Berlin, uh, Berlin Spandau. Um, And they had taken me, the people at the church had taken me to visit the prison where Pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer had been held, Flossenberg. Um, during the time that he was, you may not, many of you know the story. 
He was imprisoned because he was a part of the resistance against Adolf Hitler. And so there at Advent season, and, and the time that I want to tell you about, he was there at an Advent season, 1944. Uh, you may know that the war ended. Uh, the Allies came into Berlin in, in May 1945. 1945, at the Advent season, he was in that, that prison that many said was like a catacomb, uh, just an awful place, Sochi, maybe far even worse than, than where you were back in Chicago. Um, and, and while there, you would think he would be discouraged. I've been faithful to God. I've been preaching his word. And here I am in this awful prison, surrounded by and, 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 and under the oppression of these Nazis, but far from it. He, he was a man who was filled with hope. He was able on that, his last Advent season, uh, to get, to smuggle out three notes. He'd ripped off paper that had been given, had been writing notes that he sent to his wife and to some of his family members. And on one of those three pieces of paper, he had written a song. And you would think it was a song filled with pain, but far from it, it was a song filled with hope. Um, you, you may know that, that, the, that the Allies came in in, in May, but, but the, the Nazis hanged him in April that year. Many say out of spite. Uh, but he, he still knew that nothing could separate him from his God. Nothing could separate him, even the prison walls, even the Nazis. And so the song that he wrote has become so beloved in Germany among German Christians, and it is for me too. Uh, they're, they're the chorus of, of the song, I have sung so many times in the really hard times of my life, and it brings me back again, confidence and hope. Uh, Pastor Roger Bosch had just got back from Germany, and so he was walking down the hall ahead of me. I hadn't seen him for a while, so just this week, I started singing this song with Roger, and he whipped around, and he says, I love that song. It just goes deep into my soul, and I said, it does mine as well, uh, Roger. Let me show it to you in German. I, I, I think, think about Dietrich Bonhoeffer writing this. There, there are seven verses, and I'll only show you the chorus. If we could put the German version up. Yeah, um, I'll walk it through with you. Von Gutenmechten. See, the, the, the Nazis were called Bösenmechten, the, the evil forces, and you would think he was surrounded by evil, but no, 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 no. He said right now, von Gutenmechten, from good powers, from powers of grace, I am wonderfully surrounded. I am wonderfully sheltered. Erwarten wir getrost. So I anticipate, we anticipate with confidence, with comfort, was kommen mag, whatever may come. Gott ist bei uns. God is with us am Abend und am Morgen, in the evening and in the morning. And because of that, so ganz gewiss, without any question, he is with us on this new day and jedem neuen Tag. I sing it to myself often. Should I sing it for you? You want to hear it? Yeah. Oh, I, I was baiting you there. See if I can get it in a key that I can sing it in. Von guten Mächten wunderbar geborgen, erwarten wir getrost, was kommen mag. Gott ist bei uns am Abend und am Morgen und ganz gewiss an jedem neuen Tag. Now, I, I've roughed out a kind of a, a rough translation of this for you, for you to try to sing with me. So we'll put that up. It doesn't, not quite as good as the German, but I still love it. I'll sing it for you here and you'll try to get it in your mind. 
by loving power so wondrously protected. We wait with confidence befall what may. God is with us at night and in the morning and almost oh, certainly on each new day. You can do that, can't you? Let's try it. By loving power so wondrously protected, we wait with confidence before what may. God is with us at night and in the morning and almost oh, certainly on each new day. Let's try it again. By loving power so wondrously protected, we wait with confidence before what may. God is with us at night and in the morning, and almost oh, certainly on each new day. I tell you, he held on to that in a Nazi prison. Sochi held on to that in a place where she had not chosen to be. Chris and I held on to that when, like Lauren, we lost our middle child. We, we need something in this world. If we're going to talk about hope, um, as Viktor Frankl said when he was in an, another Nazi prison, uh, we have to have something that this world cannot take away from us. And that is what biblical hope gives to us. When, when I read Simeon's song, I see Simeon saying together with Pastor Bonhoeffer, waiting for God to complete his work is not always going to be easy. But living according to what God has promised is always worth the wait. God promises that he is at work even when you don't see him. God promises that what he is doing in this world is changing this world, bringing about a different kind of a kingdom, one of peace and justice. God promises that this Jesus who came the first time will return, but that time in majesty and in power to complete the work. And I'll just tell you, brothers and sisters, because of those promises, whatever happens in your life, as a follower of Jesus, you always have hope. You always have this kind of certain hope because of the coming of Christ into this world and the receiving of Christ into your life. You always have hope. And then, then you can sing with Simeon and with Lauren, especially when the Lord comes back. Hallelujah. My waiting is done. Hallelujah. Messiah has come. Hallelujah. Our God is the faithful one. And it's to his glory. It's to his glory. Amen. Let me lead us in prayer as our musicians come back. Father, take this your word. And I, I pray this will not have just been a, a morning of hearing a sermon or, or being in church, but a, a morning of hearing you, reminding us that you are God and that you are good to your word, that when you make promises, you keep them. 
We've, we've looked at all of these people this Advent season, and they'd come to a point after so many years of wondering, is it true, and finding out that you are true. Father, seal that in our hearts today for anyone who is here, Father, going through a difficult time, walking through uncertainty. Help them to find certainty and confidence and hope in you. For this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.